0: Now recording, and we'll go from here.
1: Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do.
0: We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness.
1: But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you,
0: and you too. And you too,
2: Me Todd. too. Hi, Todd. How are you doing, Mark? It is a very storm. it is a dark and stormy <laughs> afternoon here in Portland. It, it is very dramatic outside. It is. We were going out to
0: um, find a uh, breakfast restaurant this morning, a little brunch wind everywhere and so we we're on Yelp and there's actually a uh, a new brunch restaurant that is on the moon did you know did you know that I've not heard that it's getting terrible reviews no atmosphere <laughs> so.
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not. I'm not hooked up to any sound here, so uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. we'll go with that one. Cool. I'm not satisfied with the joke. I feel like I need another joke. I think. I think we are
0: due for a much better joke. Uh, and so today is. Uh, I, I'm really excited about today. We got. We've got a good show, as they say, uh, lined up for you. And uh, today we are going to be chatting with Al Gonser, and Al is an aerospace engineer at NASA.
2: And uh, Al, and inexplicably, <laughs> now going to be affiliated with this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, Al.
1: Hi. How are you? Can you hear me?
0: We can hear you great.
1: So, Todd. Yes. What's the difference between empathy and apathy.
2: Who what is the difference between empathy and apathy?
1: I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah, see now
2: there that's when we there bring we out go. the real laughter. Excellent. That is a that is a great start. Um to, to what I'm assuming is going to be the most fascinating conversation of my life coming up. So I'm gonna hand it back uh, to Mark here because you are more familiar than I am.
0: Yeah, uh, and so uh, so Al, we uh, know each other through your daughter. We uh, you, Your daughter and I worked together uh, in the past and um, she was talking about, uh, we, we were on the conversation of web accessibility and she said, you know, my father is a programmer at NASA, and uh, he also happens to be blind, and it really piqued my curiosity, and uh, we tried to connect a couple years ago, and we weren't, and and uh, and so I'm really excited that you're on the show today. And so I wanted to just uh, kind of open up the discussion uh, and uh, kind of tell me about your uh, your profession, your, your, uh, kind of day to day operation and, uh, what you do.
1: Oh, well, sure. Yeah. Happy to do so. Yeah. My, uh, uh, I'm degreed. I got degrees in, uh, mechanical engineering, math and physics. I guess I couldn't make up my mind, <laughs> uh, out of college. I, uh, actually got a job at Hughes aircraft company. This is before GM bought them when Howard Hughes actually was was still the owner and that that was a lot of fun and then I uh, switched to a a small CAD company called SDRC Uh, CAD is computer-aided design this is where uh you are able to model anything a house a car an airplane on a computer get its weight check for interferences do various simulations you know, crash tests, whatever you want to do. Uh, and the idea is to do as much as, of that as you can digitally before you actually, you know, cut some hardware and then do a real test. And so that is my specialty. And uh, I, uh, I worked on uh, uh, with that company for 20 years. They were bought up by multiple people, ended up with Siemens. And then in 2009, I uh, joined NASA and I work at NASA uh, Goddard Space Flight Center. It's in Greenbelt, Maryland. And uh, uh, currently, I uh, my official government title is aerospace engineer, uh, but uh, I have a secondary title. It's CAD manager. So I uh, manage a team of folks, and we are responsible for keeping uh, the CAD systems up and running at Goddard.
0: Wow! <clears throat> so, in your history, you uh, you graduated from from college. You've got your degrees, and and I did a little research on you. It, you, you had um, you went to the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor for your uh, master's degree. Is that true?
1: Yes, I, I got my master's there, and I also uh, was in the PhD program there. And, uh, you know, got to a point where I took all my classes, and it looked like this was going to take forever. And I wanted to get out there and start making some money and, and doing, you know, something. So I, I, I didn't actually finish the PhD program
0: there. Sure. And then, um, Computer aided drafting like today, it seems really accessible with the uh, quantity and availability and accessibility like you can get your iPad and put on uh, 3D modeling software and create stuff and, and all the kids are doing it. I imagine that at the uh, at the time that you were uh, doing a lot of CAD work when you were just out of college that wasn't as prevalent that wasn't as uh a, a a thing like we think of today is that true
1: well yeah that's very true uh, well first question you might ask is how does a blind person work in cat and uh, Al, so how does you... a
0: blind person work in cat <laughs> that's
1: a great
2: question
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me give you a little bit of a uh, little bit of detail on that i actually grew up with uh, nearly 20 20 vision Mm -hmm. and uh, in 92 a doctor told me that i have this really rare genetic thing called cone rod dystrophy and uh and you know i didn't believe him you know i was fine (laughs) i just went in for regular it's like geez you know (laughs) i didn't believe it at all but uh yeah from that point on my uh, vision started to get Just worse, uh, you know, slowly at first and then fairly rapidly after that point, you know, I was driving a car. I still remember the last time I drove my car into our garage, it was December 94. Um, I mean, the garage was fine, so nothing happened there. uh, (laughs) And uh, I became officially legally blind uh, in 2001 okay and legally blind means uh you your vision is 2200 and it can't be corrected better than that got it so at 2200 you're legally blind and what does that mean that means that somebody at 200 feet can see what i see at 20 feet got it and when you get to a point where they can't do any better than that? Then you're legally blind. Before then, I guess you're illegally blind. I'm not <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> but uh, and it's uh, you know that happened around 2000, and uh, you know right now it's you know I went to a doctor I don't know about 10 years ago, and he said I'm uh, at 23,000. I don't even know how they measure that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Somebody nearly a mile away sees what I see at 20 feet. So cone uh, rod dystrophy is a uh, uh, an interesting disease that affects the cones and rods in your retina. You have approximately a million cones and rods in your retina, mm-hmm. uh, which is about... Probably no coincidence, but it's about the same number of pixels in a high-definition TV. Uh-huh. And so, in my situation, you know, doctor said I only have around 13 of them that are working. Jeez. Imagine watching TV with only 13 of the pixels working. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the sound is good. At
2: least. Wow, that's but, crazy. Uh,
1: but to get back to your question uh you're absolutely right uh you know um when i first went to michigan you know i was uh i i pretty much knew that i wanted to specialize in cad at that time and at that time in all of the university of michigan there was one professor who worked on CAD, and so i became his uh, uh research yeah. assistant and I was working with him and obviously having, you know, vision was very important. Mm -hmm. So back then, uh, now this is really going to date me here, but back then we literally were working on a mainframe with punch cards. Wow. And, and uh, oh, it was, it was crazy. You know, the uh, you had to get lab time to get access to this thing that looks like a typewriter. And you're literally typing in your Fortran code, and you push a button, and that spits out all of the uh, the punch cards that you then carry to this other location for them to actually run through, and then you get a, a, a you know a printout of the results, Jeez. And, uh, and and you get charged by the uh, the second of CPU time that you're using. <laughs> so it was it's you know there's none of this oh well let me just try this and see what happens now you've <laughs> got to go through every line and know exactly everything and and you know it's got to be camera ready before you go for this because you, 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 let's see i think yeah i had a hundred dollars in my account and uh you know when you're out of money you have to put in another hundred dollars and so you're really careful to wow. minimize how much you're using. I remember the first time they brought in monitors into the lab, and this is where you you don't have the punch card, but it had a monitor that was directly hooked into the mainframe, and you can actually see the code
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the screen. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the best thing. This will this will never get better than this. This, this is, is a game
0: changer. So, what was the transition like as uh, as an engineer who was, you know, very in, in a very visual format? Uh, you know, CAD is you know <laughs> computer aided design. the 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 word of design uh, implies you know visual, te- uh, you know, has has spatial relations and <laughs> and all that stuff. How do you transition into a Format or a, or a uh, modality where you are not using the screen and you are are uh, using all of the other senses.
1: Yeah, it, that's that's the hardest thing, Mark. It really is. Uh, you know, for those people who are born blind at birth, they've never had sight. Right. So from the beginning, they have to learn to do things in other ways. For mm-hmm. example, I can't read braille. Oh, interesting. Uh, I just I just can't. I've tried so many times. Maybe I worked on, I had an MGB growing up, so I always used to work on my car. And uh, maybe I've got calluses on my fingers or something. I'm not sure, but I can't read braille. Um, I've noticed that, uh, that some of my blind colleagues who have been blind uh, you know, all their lives. It's, you know, using a screen reader is so much easier for them because that's all they've done. So, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was difficult to switch. And the only thing that saved me was that it was a slow process. uh uh-huh. And so, as I started to lose my vision, now, so the interesting thing is, it goes back to your earlier technology question. Back then, you didn't have these wonderful screen readers that you've got today.
0: Yeah, you that just didn't. Yeah, I, I can only imagine the uh, lack of accessibility. <laughs> lack of accessibility. Yeah, exactly. Is uh, net. Just just today in in the modern age where there seems to be a greater amount of uh, you know secondary emphasis. It's not it's definitely not primary emphasis, but there seems to be a lot more support for accessibility in phones and computers and and things. But uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, i I can only imagine what a wasteland uh, of trying to find resources and help uh would be
1: well there was there was nothing i i started off as i started to lose my vision uh i don't know if you've ever seen these but there are telescopes that you can actually attach to your glasses
2: i i think i've seen those yeah
1: that's what i started with (laughs) wow Uh, initially it was the 2x that wasn't so bad and then I went to a 4x. Well, that was kind of hard. And then 6x. Now imagine the, the more powerful it is, then the more sense you. So you're seeing less area on right. the screen. And then secondly, you know your head jiggles a little bit. Yeah. And, it's, and you know, it's just so you now have to hold your head so still to be able to read across the screen. And it just that was it. A uh, 6x was as as Largest I could take. I mean, there were people I saw that were using an 8x. I don't know how they. Wow. <laughs> but just then, this is when I discovered. Well, I didn't discover, but I learned about Zoom text, which was the first screen reader that I used. And um, and and you know, there's other changes happening too. So it was like the technology change. It goes back to your other question mark. How do I actually switch the path of my career? You know, here I was. You know, when I was working for this CAD company, I was the guy going around, you know, doing demonstrations and you know showing how our our software, how easy it was and how it worked. I was, you know, and and so I got to a point where I was not able to do that. So I had to to find. Okay, well, what am I good at? Well, I'm, I'm good at programming. So I was quickly switching my career path. In a direction where i was more involved with the with the data administration of the cad mm-hmm. you know the, yeah. the material and the programming developing custom applications so i was slowly developing there as i as my vision started to go down um and then i was just so happy to see you know zoom text came around you know then i learned about jaws I learned about, uh, well, Narrator was always their part of Windows, but now with Narrator, is even so much better. And then there's NVDA, which is another product that I use. But the best product I have is an iPhone. It, uh, it, it I use this iPhone all the time, and what I love about the iPhone is that you don't have to purchase anything extra. It comes with all of this stuff built in same with my Mac. And so it just makes it so much easy, uh, so much easier to uh, to cope and, and to, to really find solutions for, for me to, to be able to do things. You know, I like to say it's a it's a good time to be blind, but now <laughs> and,
0: and so Let's go into the iPhone just a, a little bit, your experience with the iPhone. So is it um, purely uh, voice dictation commands that you like? Uh, uh, so you want to send a text or uh, uh, use a, a common app? Uh, are you giving commands to Siri and it's launching things uh, and reading yeah, what's, what's kind of the, the experience like?
1: Yeah. So yeah, yes to all of that. I use Siri quite a bit. Uh, and, uh, and, and that obviously send it, you know, I can say, you know, Siri send a text message to Mark and, mm-hmm. and then I dictate the message. It, it, and that works great. I can say Siri search for this on the internet. And it does that. But, but the other half of it is, is, you know, you, you look at, you know, when I first saw an iPhone, uh, you know, it had no keys. Right. Like, Wait a minute. How can you have, <laughs> how am I going to use that? <laughs> Before that, I had the flip phones, right? Yeah. But, but, uh, so I got an iPhone here in front. So when we, all you do is you just tell Siri to enable voiceover. And, you know, all of the Apple products have this. So uh, I'm just, I'm, let's see, let me log in here. All you do, is you literally just move your finger on the screen and it's reading what's under your finger.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. That's
1: that's the most easiest way to use it. And then you've got the icons. So let me go to my email, for example. I've got 700 emails.
0: (laughs) I think one's for me.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's see Oh, so this is our... This is, the, this is your email invitation to me. <laughs> you, you, do, you, you put two fingers down, and uh, it uh, it basically reads the whole email for you. And, and you have full control over the speed of, of how fast you want it to read. And that's actually so one area where I noticed that my blind colleagues are so much better than me. They can read it so fast. It I, sounds like a whisper.
2: I was going to mention that I do have um, a, a friend on Facebook who is blind as well, and, and we had talked a couple of years ago uh, a little bit about this this type of accessibility. And he sent me a little sound file of what my face like. I had Facebook private messaged him. We were talking back and forth. He sent me a file of what that sounded like, and it was so fast that I couldn't believe it was just, it was really interesting to see because it was a good two, two, three times faster than regular human speaking. And I just found that so fascinating.
1: It, I, I wish I could, again, I was not able to develop my skills Yeah. because it's so much more efficient. I'll tell you something. If I get my sight back, you know, I'm still going to listen to email. I I, I can't imagine ever going back and having to read every line by line, you know, or a book or anything. Right. You know, this is so much more efficient. Seriously, it it really is. I'm usually the only one in the office that reads to the bottom of every email.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious.
1: But uh, yeah, so this, this gives you full access literally what's under your finger and uh and this uh, goes across to applications to, to websites that are accessible and uh you know it's just it opens up a whole world i can do everything on my iphone you know check my mail go uh you know buy things on amazon i probably do that a little bit too much. But uh, I, you know, I've got there's a a wonderful program on here called Seeing AI. Microsoft developed it. They offer it for free. You can use that to to read my printed uh, printed letters and other printed text.
2: Oh, wow. I,
0: I've seen some things that they have been developing, like where you can, uh, uh, you know, point a camera at it, it around your surroundings and it will using artificial intelligence describe the
2: things that you're pointing at so that is a person and that is a
0: dog and that is a door and i've
2: also seen apps where you can be um you can be a person who gets a call like let's say there's a, a a person at a store that can't make out the instructions on one of the medicines that they're buying off the shelf they can use this app it will uh, contact a person that has volunteered to be on the list and they'll uh, walk them through, Oh, this says this dosage or that's a stop sign that you're in front of. And like, and so if they need that help, they can just use that app and an actual person who volunteers for that uh, company or whatever. And I always thought it'd be fun to be a person that was the volunteer and get a call yeah. like that.
1: Well, I use, I use them as well. Right now I'm I, what was the name of the app i can't remember i can't remember so now either app, i it just it escapes me but those those folks are amazing first of all they know their left from their right which is really really good <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> my husband does so not e- <laughs> they, they can so easily talk you through like sometimes uh you know how when your computer is booting up sometimes it'll get stuck yeah oh and, it's not at the point where the OS is running yet, so your screen reader can't work.
0: That and makes so sense.
1: So I use them in cases like that. I'll point the phone at the screen and call them up and tell, ask them, "What is it telling me? <laughs> what am I supposed to do?" Is it and, called? And they're just so amazing.
0: Is it called "Be My Eyes"? Is,
1: no, that's another one. That's, okay, another that's one. the
2: one I've heard yeah. of before.
1: No, that's a volunteer one. Yeah, Ira, Ira. Ira. Is the uh, is the one that uh, you can actually you pay you know a certain amount
2: sure to make uh, sure someone's there uh, every time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and those they're they're, they're fantastic. That, be my eyes, it,
2: it's so cool. It's
1: volunteers and, and it, it I found and miss. the uh, Ira a little bit better because yeah. you get somebody very quick with Be my eyes it, it wasn't. Yeah, I can totally
2: person. see that. Wow, at be- that's you know, so I did interesting. In the
1: beginning, so it's possible it's better. But you should definitely check out Seeing AI. There's a. Uh, you know, first it has the thing with short text where you can just, you know, have it read something to you and it has a couple of other cool things where one of the options it has is you can take somebody's picture and it'll guess their
2: age. <laughs> <laughs> Which never, ever say, leads you know, anyone to fight anyone else. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have, a, you have a, you know, a blonde in front of you and, you know, their age is one.
2: Uh, that's funny. With
1: my wife and she loves it because it guesses her age like ten years <laughs> She
2: Loves it. Recognize, <laughs> recognize friends and their facial expressions. I'm looking at the Seeing AI uh, uh, web page right now. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So it's uh, so on the on the programming side. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, are familiar with, you know, I uh, you probably are Mark with uh, C and C plus plus and mm-hmm. Java and all those, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you know, I've used all of those. The problem with all of those languages is that you know you've got the semicolons and yeah. the braces and left squiggly brace and right squiggly brace. If you ever tried to listen to that <laughs> from a screen reader. It, it just drives you crazy. It really does
0: <laughs> i I've thought about this a hundred times as as a web developer. I you know I just write in PHP code, but it it's very syntactical and and if I have a comma or a semicolon out of place, uh you know, the whole thing crashes. And so i i I debug things. It's a very visually intensive process where I am reading through hundreds of lines of code and trying to grasp what each function is doing. And and, and I've just, I've many times thought about how visually uh, intensive my personal experience with developing is. And, uh, and so uh, for you can you share yeah. your experience about it? like how do you get past that or do sure. you uh you know that that the minutia is the important part of programming and many times? And uh, you know, the the exact syntax is is absolutely required to make things work. And so how how does that balance with screen readers or or other other tools that you've got?
1: So I, I am familiar with uh, Java and C and C++. I've used all of those in the past. I, uh, uh, you know, started off with uh, assembly language, you know, so all of those are heavy, heavy, heavy syntax. As I started to lose my vision, I switched over to Visual Basic. Ah. If you're familiar with Visual Basic, it's really interesting. It, it's it's very advanced now it has all the advanced features that these other languages have and uh you know i use visual basic with dot net uh and visual studio uh and the beautiful thing about visual basic is that there are so few of those semicolons and colons and left squiggly braces and it's very manageable and, and so that's what i do I, it, it it literally sounds like English. And, uh, you know, I can listen to a line of code, and, uh, you know, using my screen reader, and then quickly, you know, pick up what, what it's, uh, uh, what it's saying. Now, uh, you know, I'm not able to take advantage of some of the other uh, nice features that Visual Basic has where it colors your source, right, and your comment, right. code. Yeah, I can't take advantage of that, but uh, I'm able to do okay, you know, without that. I can definitely do so much. It's so much easier for me to work with Visual Basic than any other language that I've found so far.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It um, Visual Basic is a, a really well thought out language uh, in my experience, and um, boy, that that makes a lot of sense. I I mentioned earlier that this last week I attended a conference and one of the sessions was on accessibility on the web. And uh, the lady presenting, uh, she's cited, but uh, she's been hired by a company that develops platforms like WordPress and, and others that web developers use to make websites with. And so they are putting a concerted effort onto greater accessibility tools and making sure that all of the things are, are there. And I was, I was fascinated by the, um, <clears throat> all of the things that I do wrong in building a website for you. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and so first of all, I'm sorry. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, but there's there's so many just it's it's like the last 10 percent there's just 10 percent things that i could tweak that would make your life a hundred percent better on websites that i build and i have taken into account a very scant few of those like i'll put in alt tags into images so that it describes what the image is but um tab order and things like that that i i really don't think about when i'm building forms and building websites that have a lot of useful information on them making sure that that information is accessible to not just blind people you know just all all types of screen readers and and different uh, accessibility tools that are that are out there and and so you do you find uh browsing the web challenging uh it it it, especially if you get off of the amazon.com track you know if you get into the smaller market uh you know smaller websites that don't have billion dollar budgets to have their accessibility teams you know tweak everything into uh perfection is is that a, a terrible experience for you browsing the web generally
1: yeah, it's, it's really, I think it's getting better, but but yeah, I, I do have a problem with certain websites. You'll go to a website and, and you're just lost, you know, yeah. and you keep hitting tab and tab and nothing happens. Arrow keys, nothing happens. <laughs> and, uh, and then the part I love is, is, I don't know how I do this, but so often, it starts reading HTML code to me. I'm like, no, I don't want to hear this. It's like, stop it. Uh, and you know, I, like an image. <clears throat> Somebody will not put an alt tag at an image, and you know how the images have those long numbers? Yes. Oh, yeah. And, I, and so I have to just quickly tell my screen reader stop, stop reading that. I don't want to read to the end of this long <laughs> image number.
0: <laughs> oh, I can, I can, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so ex- funny. It, yeah. And it, it, it's always been the case, but uh, especially now, there's there's just so many. S- our website's so designy, uh, you know, and it's such a visual. Experience and there's, it's just useless if you're not yeah. looking at the pictures. I imagine, uh, yeah, or or the animation or the the stylized. Uh, buttons that that aren't
2: actually they're like, buttons. They're pictures. Of they're buttons. like the salt and straw of the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. Just <laughs> where it, re- by yeah, re- it relies a hundred percent on you being visually fooled into thinking you're having some sort of unique right. experience. Right. Um, and so there was
1: some standard. They they don't have a standard. I wish right. they had. You know, like a, a button standard or a link standard or a or a frame standard or a header (laughs) because in the screen reader, you know, you have buttons that say, take me to the next section, the the next header. And, and so if they would at least adhere to that, that would help so much. I,
0: I, I hear you. And, and so the, the interesting part, especially about the web is there are some, uh, uh, functional standards like there is a uh, a component called a button, and uh, we use that for you know things that require a press by a human to do a thing, right? And designers will many times take an entirely different type of component called a div, if you're a nerd, and make it look like a button because they can do more fancy things uh, visually to it but it's no longer the quote-unquote button the button comes with like 10 services that automatically interact with screen readers and 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 all of the accessibility components and if you use a div it doesn't know that it's a button and so you have to manually add those 10 services onto the div to Is that way sometimes up the w- sometimes when i right
2: click it gives you that the whole you know copy save that totally. like but then yep. other times it's yep. like replay frame and i'm yeah. like i don't want to replay frame i just want to steal this audio i'm not supposed to be stealing yeah
0: and so i i would say just generally that if you use If you're doing a thing uh, that already has a pre-built component for it, use that pre-built component and do your best to make it look like what you want um, instead of trying to take something that isn't used for that at all and shoehorn it into a, a very functional piece of of the web you know i'm uh, now i'm talking to to like me basically and so i'm s- <laughs> sorry You're to are externalizing our your, totally, your, my, my, your guilt my guilt and frustration <laughs> so uh web developers out there uh, let's chat but um uh, but generally i know that um the world is designed for uh, for sighted people generally and uh, and i know that uh, we have a long way to go to be more inclusive to you know uh, all all peoples. Um, what are some frustrations that you have in your everyday life of like you know if we just had this uh, working better or if more people knew about this or you know more business owners had this or or something like that? Is there anything like that in your experience, Al? That helps uh like if we if we all just knew about this uh thing or or these types of of services we could make the world a little bit better
1: how, how long is your show <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm sure your list is lengthy
1: <laughs> well there's you know there, there's uh, as you said it's uh it's a visual world it's this world was designed uh, you know, for people who can see and, uh, and, you know, since I used to be one of those people, I get it. Um, you know, it, I mean, you gave a great example, you know, a second ago, and that applies to so many things where if you just use the standard out-of-the-box component, in most cases, that has so much built underneath it that gives you the accessibility. Mm -hmm. But when you don't do that and you you take your own path, you're likely not going to build in that additional accessibility, and so you're breaking it. Right. So you're probably going to be shocked, but all the programs that I write are fully accessible.
0: Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course they are.
1: Otherwise I couldn't use them. <laughs> right. But, you know, like right now I, I have uh, developed a, a program that we're using at NASA. It's called mass pro, you know, mass is weight is so important when you're sending things into space. You have to, uh, you have to know about the weight moments of inertia centers of gravity and uh, so I developed an application that uh, helps us to manage that for our satellites and, and then other, uh, you know, things that we're doing and uh, gives you quick reports and, and um, you know, this grabs information from multiple locations and makes it presentable, you know, to, to someone and they don't have to be a CAD expert, they have access to that information. And, and so I, you know, had to write it, obviously, so I can use it myself. <laughs> it's fully accessible. I have, I'm able to uh, do everything that a sighted person is able to do in the program. And the interesting thing is, is that I didn't have to do any extra work to make that happen. I mm-hmm. just had to use the standard components.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I had to basically... Uh, be careful not to break anything that was it (laughs) it really is is frustrating when when you go I mean in this day and age when you go to a website or some mandatory training that you're supposed to take online or or something and it's you just can't do anything with it it's just dead and You know, and I want to be able to do everything on my own. I don't want to have to be dependent on someone and call someone for help.
0: Sure, of course.
1: So, so I guess if there's, you know, developers listening out there, test your program by turning off your monitor and see if you can use it. Wow,
2: nice. Yeah, that that's
0: that's exactly (laughs) it. Is, we I was introduced during that, that conference this last week, uh, introduced to some accessibility auditor software that looks at your website and says, here's all the problems with it or, or shows you the tab order and shows you the, uh, you know, all the things that honestly I was not thinking about when, uh, looking at the, at the website. And it was, uh, eye opening for me, uh, pun intended. Uh, That uh, all of these, you know, I I definitely have the skills and all of the resources to make it right. And I just was, uh, you know, just now learning about how important those are to everybody and so uh
2: and i think that's a good yeah. uh n- a microcosm of the yeah. bigger thing in life <clears> of <throat> like i need to step out of my own experience exactly. to make sure that my intentions of including people are actually being uh fulfilled and not ignored so wow yeah. that's fascinating al i have one uh, last question for you and is that should jeff bezos be considered an astronaut <laughs> <laughs> Aerospace engineer at NASA. What is your, how yeah. many you thoughts on? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't need to answer that if you don't need to. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I'll, I'll pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're wise. Well uh, done.
2: Yeah. Um, Even you could see. my track. what's
1: going on there, though. I, I yeah. really, really do. I mean, it's just wonderful that you've got you know SpaceX and all these companies now involved in in low earth orbit and it's just wonderful
2: for sure yeah I, uh,
1: I just can't wait to
0: see what's next i am absolutely with you um well thank you for being with us i've got um do you have any other um anything else that you'd like to to share just before
2: do you have we a po- wrap up? Do you have a podcast do you want to promote <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh well I, I don't know if you're interested in massa type stuff there's so many podcasts uh there's uh there's one that i really enjoy it's called 13 minutes to the moon oh wow uh, by the bbc and just a fantastic uh um podcast it just covers the, the whole uh, you know the initial uh, our moon landing oh cool uh gravity assist is another one it talks about some of the wonderful missions that we have planned uh you know next it's really going to be a just a fantastic uh you know next 10 years there's going to yeah. be so much happening i mean you know now we currently have uh you know the first helicopter flying
0: on another planet
2: i mean that's, that's so crazy phenomenal
0: yeah uh, this phenomenal uh with the james webb space telescope going up and and there there is a lot going on in uh in the world of space for uh, this planet and i'm i'm super excited about it um, so you're familiar
1: with james so james webb i believe is going up this in 22
0: uh, and
1: uh, is it twenty two?
0: I I think 30? it's going up in December and and this year wow, in okay. this year yeah and uh, so okay. we we have a uh, a friend of the show, um, Ethan Siegel who is an astrophysicist here in Portland and he has some association with the James Webb Space Telescope team and he will be joining us in a couple weeks and we'll be chatting all about uh, the James Webb Space Telescope we're super excited nice. about that one as well. Um, well, Al, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, Pleasure. we, we look forward to talking to you, uh, again, uh, you have a topic that, uh, will definitely take at least one full show around your, uh, pixel theory. And so th- this is a guarantees of, uh, of a future discussion of, uh, really how the universe uh, works and, uh, uh, Al has uh, that, is, that is
2: quite the guarantee <laughs> Sometime in the near future We'll explain <laughs> explain How the universe works it's And t- why we're here And which religion is right <laughs> <laughs> Totally, totally. Uh, Well thank you very much Al thank Yes you. thank you very much Wow that was really Really fascinating To talk with him yeah it's
0: it's (laughs) we have so much concerns about our experience all the time like i'm the center of the world my my experience is frustrating or struggling or uh, yeah and you uh (laughs) when you travel outside of your bubble and you uh
2: learn about other people's experiences it's uh it's pretty fascinating and 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 inspiring Oh, and so much of it too, like you just, there's no way to realize it until you know someone else experience. Like when I took care of uh, Isaiah, who was completely blind and from birth and being like, wow, we use our eyes a lot just in life. Yeah. So, well, I don't quite know how to uh, transition out of that. So
0: right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weyhenmayer who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But... He's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we're- <laughs> Best blooper of all time. I, she's so innocent about uh, it. So, so- like, but, he's but he's gay. He's blind. Anyway, uh,
2: Yes, you were gonna, you were gonna, uh, you were wondering how we could incorporate that uh, into the introduction, and we thought it best to maybe <laughs> not, <laughs> not yes, to do that to write to, out yeah. of the gate. But yeah, he was fantastic, and I'm excited to have him on uh, again to hear more about Pixel Theory, which I'm sure will uh, blow my mind. So. Yes. Good, good. Well, I did have a couple things uh, I wanted to talk through as far as news, so we'll just flip flop the show here. I uh, talked to you last week, uh, I don't think we said on the air, but to watch the documentary about Val Kilmer Kilmer called Val, which I think is on Amazon. So great. Yeah. And,
0: and, being a child of the '80s, uh, you know, we grew up with Val Kilmer in, you know, Top Gun and Top Secret and and it, just so many oh, movies. Top Secret, Top is so Secret is, is amazing. I didn't know that that was his first movie. Yeah, and and that was something I learned today or this week. <laughs> and uh, Val Kilmer uh, had a video camera that he carried around with him behind the scenes. And so there were there were like remarkable since high school. Footage of him on the set of Fast Times at Ridgemont High with, with, you know, just here's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And, and here's uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn, and they're mooning him and, you know, just yeah. as like late teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. You know, and, it, and he goes through this uh, life that he has experienced that he, you know, self-admittedly, is like I've had a miraculous life, and and he's had throat cancer and has lost his voice, and so his son does uh, Who the sounds voiceover exactly really, like him, really which is really freaky, charming son, and, and yeah. the relationship between. Val and his children is uh, inspiring to watch. and Yeah, and he's um, I've never
2: been a huge fan yeah. of him I'm, either way. I know um, his reputation uh, as far as the movie industry is is he's difficult to work, to work with, with, which yeah. he does address. He does address some things, uh, but he does gloss over some things too. But the way the way it's done is fascinating. And just he, seeing that footage and how it's put together and he's not afraid of making himself look like an ass when he acted like an ass and all that. And so it's a really 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 compelling and a really great uh documentary just because it is all his his old footage and so two nights
0: ago nick and i watched the doors for the first time oh i never watched that it's uh it's remarkable you know it's interesting uh you know he definitely dives into that character and and boy jim morrison was a mess
2: yeah Uh, i was gonna say i'd never cared for jim morrison and wasn't a huge fan of val kilmer (laughs) so that wasn't really on any (laughs) venn diagram i was (laughs) So I'm going to see if Meg this, Ryan is in there. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, I do like her. I'm going to see if this works. <laughs> see, now that plays, but why doesn't GarageBand? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that'll be coming to oh, a shortcut. If, case if that's you, coming you. straight
0: out of GarageBand, you can, you can update the settings for the output oh, the device. I'll make uh, sure to directly forget
2: about that. that. Yep. All right. Well, a couple of things. The White House delays a release of JFK assassination files to, quote, protect against identifiable harm. So uh, some of the files are were uh, are going to wait until December 15th of next year, which is going to be 60 years after the assassination. Uh, in 2017, uh, D- uh, Donald Trump released several thousand secret files on the assassination, but withheld on others on national security grounds. So they said the National Archivists need more time to review, uh, which has been slowed by the pandemic and stuff. Um, U.S. law requires that all government records on the assassination be disclosed to, quote, enable the public to become fully informed. Uh, President Biden also said the delay was, quote, necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations. And that this, quote, outweighs the public interest in immediate disclosure, Hmm. So um, after a 10-month investigation uh, way back then, they concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, but it was uh, the commission was criticized for being incomplete, blah, 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 um, with a congressional committee later con- concluding that Kennedy was, quote, probably assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. Wait, what? Okay. But the commission's investigation, which was the uh, the Warren report from Chief Justice Earl Warren, The investigation was criticized back then for being incomplete with a congressional committee later concluding that Kennedy was, quote, probably assassinated as part of a conspiracy. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that came from an official. uh, From the grassy knoll itself. (laughs) This just in. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, I'm not going to go into this next one, but except it was just worth noting how it's crazy and I don't really know much about it. But the Sinclair, uh, Sinclair workers say TV channels are in, quote, pandemonium after a ransomware attack. So Sinclair Broadcasting, which uh, owns just tons and tons and tons of television stations, was hacked by ransomware and just apparently weren't able to do anything or have live commercials or live news or, or emails
0: or like anything so they're having problems communicating interdepartmentally and and everything it's ransomware is going to be a much bigger issue as we
2: move forward in our world oh, wow so that's crazy well here's here's something interesting Elephants have evolved to be tuskless in response to ivory poaching, a study found. So researchers in Mozambique found a dramatic shift within 15 years, illustrating how human activity can accelerate genetic changes in other species. Now, researchers have pinpointed how years of civil war and poaching in Mozambique had led to a greater proportion of elephants that will never develop tusks. During the conflict from 1977 to 1992, um, fighters on both sides slaughtered elephants for ivory to finance war efforts. In the regions that's now the Gorongosa National Park, around 90% of the elephants were killed. The survivors were likely to share a key characteristic. Half the females were naturally tuskless. They simply never developed tusks. While before the war, less than a fifth lacked tusks. After the war, those tuskless, which is a difficult word to say over and over, surviving females passed on their genes with uh, with expected as well as surprising results, about half their daughters were tuskless, and two-thirds of their offspring were female. So, crazy that in the span of 15 years, we could basically eradicate a type of animal from existence. I I hate humans. (laughs) Well, Um, there's good news, Mark. Okay. Because Australia is trying to vaccinate... i'm reading the headline all right why don't you take it from there
0: australia is trying to vaccinate all of its koalas against chlamydia (laughs) 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 Uh, so australia is rolling out a chlamydia vaccine trial amongst the koala community in the country so about 400 koalas will be vaccinated as part of the trial and uh, researchers told Reuters that they hope the vaccine will help the animals survive longer as a species. While the disease is often sexually transmitted, it can be transmitted from mothers to their babies. The Australian Koala Foundation, an independent nonprofit group, told Reuters in September that it estimates that koalas have lost about 30% of the koala population over the last three years. The group said droughts? bushfires and loss of habitats also played factors in the loss of population but uh, but chlamydia was a major concern. <laughs> yes. It estimates that there are less than 58,000 koalas left in Australia.
2: Wow so yeah Australia has lost about 30% of its koala population over the last three years and none of them have tusks <laughs> <laughs> Tuskless Tuskless chlamydia filled koalas uh, but well, Portland's a passenger fa- a ferry, which I didn't know until I saw this article, launches its test run from North Portland to downtown. The first frog ferry vessel should be complete by the spring of 2023. It would go from Cathedral Park. Where is Cathedral Park?
0: That that's at the base of the uh, bridge at, in North Portland. Were that uh, the, the Jazz that... Festival, and there's yeah, the there's fountain just, there.
2: I, uh, I. It's the but maybe, is it the one part with the big, where that big grassy park yeah. goes all the way down to the river yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that's called cathedral park yeah it's oh because weird. the
0: underside of the bridge looks like a cathedral It look at
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'll take your word for it uh
0: and I, i'm spacing the name of that is, is the saint john's bridge no
2: Oh, so that okay. Be, I'm thinking of the where they have bridge. the bridge. Okay, 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 okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> That's clicking in my head now, because I was thinking it's the place downtown yeah, by the bridge. waterfront. <laughs> yeah, that used where they have the um, like the jazz festival. Oh, every oh, year. No, yeah, uh, yeah. Waterfront Park.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, yeah.
2: No Cathedral Park. Okay. Yeah. I I do know that. I think. <laughs> So it's going to go from (laughs) Cathedral Park to the South Waterfront, where I was thinking, in 25 minutes. The actual ferry will be covered. It will be enclosed. We'll be sitting down. We'll be sitting down, I say, as if I'm saying this in first person. Uh, There will be a little concession area in there, and there will be a video safety briefing for people as well. A one-way ticket to the Frog Ferry will cost about $3 for adults, and it's free for children age 12 and under. So a passenger ferry from Cathedral Park to the South waterfront. Oh, that's good. Yes. Uh, well, sad news after one day of happiness in Portland where somebody on the, we can't have anything. Yeah. Where was this location?
0: Um, it, it was over by where you get onto 405 from, downtown kind of okay in this spirit of uh, of like the crystal ballroom
2: kind okay. of okay, area okay. that
0: zone but a little further
2: towards psu okay okay so there was a, a merge sign to get on the freeway in portland or somebody put up a merge simpson sign because there's a tree behind it that looks like marge simpson's hair and it was so it was so Nice to see something wholesome come out of Portland. Uh, That wasn't terrible news. But of course, Portland removed the sign. The anonymous person made a homemade sign near the ramp uh, to Interstate 405 North. The artist covered up a pedestrian crosswalk sign with the sign reading Merge Simpson and drew a picture of Merge Simpson. Um, while Portlanders on social media were thrilled by another tribute to the long-running show, uh, which appeared just down the way from Ned Flanders Crossing, city officials said the altered sign posed risks to pedestrians and drivers. So if you're a pedestrian in the downtown area, there will be no signs for the, for the methed-up homeless maniacs running at you with knives, and you will be safely able to merge <laughs> uh they said the bureau encourages residents to send them photos if they see other examples of infrastructure that are damaged so if you are a if you are a big snitch you're a
0: Spoil sports snitch jeez s- send it to <laughs> yeah. um Leica. yeah why don't you yeah Leica is coming to omsi so explore the 15th anniversary in of uh and stop motion fantasia of Leica studios with screenings of all five of its oscar-nominated films from Coraline to missing link the missing missing link starring brian the unipiper kid as credited in the in the actual credits yes. brian the unipiper kid did the uh uh the the bagpipe music uh very pretty much the opening scene yeah uh, of the movie Um, When the bagpipes play, that is Brian's uh, music. So uh, from Coraline to Missing Link at OMSI's Empirical Theater, delve deeper into the artistry and technical innovation behind the films with key filmmakers on hand for Q&As preceding each film. Walk through displays of puppets and sets from each legendary film and explore
2: the meticulous craftsmanship of like like is This is and the process. PR release of Game Nobody's noticed. <laughs> <He's> noticed. <laughs> yes, indeed. So that is going on right. Uh, uh, it started on the 15th, but it does go through October 31. So I'm not sure what their schedule is, <clears throat> but I thought it was worth mentioning because, boy, that Leica tour that we took yeah. whenever it was a million years ago when we were able to leave our houses with, <laughs> without fearing for our lives. It was, it was like three months before lockdown. It wow. Was December
0: of uh, 2019.
2: Oh, that's crazy. All right, a couple more short things. I won't go into this whole article, but the um, AI can predict the... Po- You'd think this would be bigger news or that I would care to actually read the whole thing on the show now. AI can predict possible Alzheimer with nearly 100% accuracy. So researchers from Kawanus University in Lithuania developed a deep learning based method that can predict the possibility onset of Alzheimer's from brain images with an accuracy of over 99%. The method was developed while analyzing functional MRI images obtained from 138 subjects and performed better in terms of accuracy, sensitivity, and specificity than previously developed methods. So that is pretty, I, it doesn't go into, um, how old like i don't know if you can do this sure. as dementia is setting in or right. if something you can get like when you're 12 or whatever and I, see if it's coming i
0: really we've talked about it a hundred times on the show but i really think the artificial intelligence and and medical science are in for a massive revolution as we're experiencing in our family a uh, you know medical diagnoses being accurate or not being biased by a human is so challenging. And, um, you know, it, it, so we're looking forward to having AI, uh, help the, the diagnostic process.
2: Right. Right. Well, I mean, we talked, yeah, we've, we have talked about it a bunch of times, but even that AI that was like, oops, we can tell who's gay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so you're like, you'll just be, you'll be walking down the street and,
0: but he's gay. I,
2: mean, <laughs> I finally got the sound routed right. <laughs> uh, well, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about Banksy, uh, and there's an update. If you remember, he put a piece of artwork on sale, and as soon as somebody bought it, it went through a little shredder underneath it and shredded the whole thing. Well, now that artwork is selling for $25.4 million um a painting that painting sold Thursday to an ano- anonymous asian collector for 25.4 million dollars setting a new record so i i forget how much it originally sold for but it's like twice that's double double what the original guy painted it for so we're going to have to do a whole show on Banksy sometimes yeah. although i don't want to know too much because i want it to be it's it's like one one of the only mysteries we get in life still <laughs> is Banksy <laughs> Um well lastly, ad, ad uh, legend David Kennedy, yeah. who was uh one of the founders of the great Portland advertising agency, Wyden Kennedy died Saturday this uh at the age of eighty-two. Uh the Portland agency he co-founded with Dan Wyden in nineteen eighty-two had created iconic ads and campaigns for Nike, Honda, Coca-Cola, ESPN, and many other brands. Um blah, blah, blah. Doubtless Kennedy would be considered one of the greatest of American advertisers. Uh, he was an artist and art director. He helped reimagine what ads could look like, feel and sound like he wrote a Wyden wrote Nike's famous, just do it line. And Kennedy helped to bring it to life. So, um, just do it. Blah, blah, blah. Air Jordan, Air, air Jordan. Bo, Bo nose. That's,
0: that's legendary. Yeah. Like, and the
2: old air Jordans with Spike Lee, uh, being a star and the director back in the early nineties and stuff wow. like that. So a huge imprint, not just of course here in Portland, it um, but all over the world and in the world of advertising, he helped, he helped uh, instill dreams in young boys like us, Mark to say that we can <laughs> one day do some cool things in advertising and marketing. <laughs> luring us to portland so that is it thank you guys for listening um don't forget to tune into fun employment radio every day and uh check them out um you can check out portland at the movies we just did Uh, another episode for a movie called what did we just Um, bruce campbell and and it it was the in the line in the line line, of line of duty, duty blaze, of, blaze glory. of glory yes there we go I was, I was conjuring
0: <laughs> blaze of glory yes the Bon
2: Jovi song wow. of course the only thing the only thing that should be called blaze of glory not to this movie <laughs> although it was not not bad not it bad. was not terrible so check that out um, other than that um, I don't know what should we we'll take well, we'll...
0: I will be gay <laughs> but
2: He's gay. I mean. All
1: right. See you later. Bye.